0: Hello, thank you for joining us. It's another episode of Friendly Reminder. Uh, My name is Gus, and it is October the 17th. Uh, We are about two and a half weeks away from the general election, and I voted. I have voted. I voted yesterday. Uh, I do have my two dear friends here with me. Daniel, have you voted?
1: yes yes i have and how are you today i uh yeah yeah i voted yesterday um it was i was able to escape during the middle of the day and there were not too many lines uh did not have to wait very long uh got to wear a little weird little finger condom Mm -hmm. um and yeah did you did you you did you drive by vote or did anybody here drive by vote
0: I did, uh, and I'll oh, okay. talk about it, but before I do, I we also want to introduce Sam. Uh, how are you today? Have you voted?
2: Yes, I have, and I'm doing very well. Um, I had to stand in a line, a really long line.
0: Really? How long did it take you?
2: <laughs> like an hour.
0: Oh, wow, wow. Wow.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's
0: interesting. How was it? Were you afraid? Uh, did you go prepared?
2: Uh, no, I had a N95 mask and a face shield, and... I got a free sign in the end i got a biden harris sign so so they bought your vote yeah they bought my vote
0: (laughs) (laughs) rigged uh yeah i voted i voted in a curbside um uh polling place so i was in my car felt pretty safe i was wearing my mask uh the poll workers were wearing their masks they were all very nice Uh, i thanked all of them for doing what they do during this particular uh, pandemic working is important so I'm glad they were doing it. Uh, felt safe I got this massive tablet uh, it was uh, given to me in my car I voted there it did it, uh, it was a very smooth process I mean it, since it was by car it did take a little while but I'd say it took me like 30 35 minutes so pretty smooth and I'm happy to have voted. Um, it was it was a really tough call guys I mean I I was <laughs> wait who would you vote
1: for? I voted for the
0: libertarian. I voted <laughs> for Kanye, kidding. of course. Uh, I wrote in <laughs> Kanye.
2: Did I, was, I was very scared that I would accidentally vote for Trump, so I made yeah. sure that, like...
1: I rechecked it, like, eight times. Yeah. Me, too. Yeah. Me, too. I
0: think we all had that kind of paranoia but yeah uh, early voting is going on um for those listening please check um information on uh, early voting with your state uh if you voted by mail that's great check check to make sure that your ballot has been received and counted uh it's very important i would advise to do early voting rather than go on on election day you know i know that a lot of people are early voting um i've seen the i've seen the line so it's it's not gonna it may not save you from a long line but usually it's There's more polling locations. There's more options for you, like like the curbside option. I I don't think that's going to be available in the general election. So um, if you haven't already, take a look at your state. Take a look at the early voting information or voting by mail. And go out and vote uh, because we're going to talk about polls and whatnot in in a little bit. But none of it counts uh, uh, like your vote. Ultimately, the election is the ultimate poll. So go vote and vote them out. So let's talk about... The election because we are, as I mentioned, two and a half weeks away from the general election. We're going to have our little state of the polls discussion. We've had one previously before. We're probably going to have one more, you know, on on our last episode before the election. Uh, but let's talk about it right now because we are we are getting in in the uh, in the thick of it, and there's not a whole lot of time left, uh, and there's not a whole lot of time to to change voters' minds. Uh, there's one debate left. Uh, we had a dwelling town hall event last thursday where we'll talk a little bit about that i don't think it was particularly that consequential but we'll we'll see but i'm gonna talk about i'm gonna go over some polls right now and then we're gonna have a little conversation as to what we feel how we feel going into election day so again i'm gonna start with the uh, states that donald trump won in 2016 that joe biden he doesn't need to win all of these states, but he needs to win some of them. And th- this is how it currently stands according to the polls. I'm going to be citing 538, uh, the, the polling average that they have. You can check out their website, 538.com. Uh, so, Michigan, Joe Biden is up by 7.8% points. Pennsylvania, Biden is up 6.8. Wisconsin, Biden is up 7.7. Arizona, Biden is up 3.8. Florida, Biden is up 4.0. North Carolina, Biden is up 3.2. Georgia, Biden is up 1.3. Iowa, Biden is technically up, but it's a tie. He's up 0.2. Ohio, Trump is up, again, a tie, 0.1. Texas, Trump is up 1.4%. Some close races in some of these states, not so close. And, and another. Nationally, according to 538's polling average, Joe Biden is up by
2: 10.6%. So what you're saying is Texas is a swing state now.
0: Yes, it is. Um, it's it's hard to process it. Trump is still the favorite in Texas, uh, but even going by uh, 538's chances, there's about a 30% chance that Joe Biden can win the state which if we all remember correctly, it's the same chance Trump had to win the 2016 election, around 30%. So we're all humans here uh and, and we can get the data as it is as we know in 2016 the data only goes so far it's not perfect it's 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 not a 100% chance that Joe Biden is going to win uh we saw in 2016 that uh, events can happen very close to election day that can have uh pretty significant ramifications um in terms of deciding the winner i'm of course referring to the comey letter so you know we can process this information but we're all going to process it in different different ways. So let's have a conversation about how we feel right now and how we feel going into election day, uh, because I think there's probably some differences, uh, sort of. I, I think there's also some, some consensus as to how we feel. But Daniel, let's start with you, because we've had this conversation before. You've seen the numbers, but these numbers do not, and I think somewhat reasonably, do not convince you that uh, Biden has even a decent shot. At
1: winning this election. I, I don't know if I would go that far. Um, I think he has a decent decent shot of winning the election. Um, but I also, because of 2016, I've also not, not I'm not and I'm not saying that polls are like fraudulent or anything like that. I just think that there are sort of best snapshot of how things are going at any given point. Um, and they are flawed. And um at the end of 2016, you know, people, people did a lot of analysis of why the polls, uh, the state polls at least, were inaccurate um, that called put states in Hillary's column that were uh, decidedly on Trump's column on election night. Um, And they've come up with a lot of theories. I don't know if any of them are particularly persuasive, um, but something that gives me pause. Um, I recently uh, read about this uh, group called the Trafalgar Group. They're a Republican polling operation robert kahaley is the lead poster pollster sorry and he although i'm sure he's a poster too <laughs> his opinion is that all of the polls uh do not take enough do not take this uh, shy shy trump voter factor into into calculation and that is the idea that uh people are embarrassed to vote for Trump. Um, People are embarrassed to have views that line up with him uh, because he is a grotesque person and they're ashamed to vote for him. Um, And so they lie. Uh, So there's a good amount of these Trump voters who lie. There's a good amount of these Trump voters who just do not respond to polls because they're not as civically engaged as the average democratic voter. So all of this adds up to what he thinks is, is just a consistent uh, failure of the polls to capture what's really going on. Um, so he was one of the few firms in 2016 to call Trump's wins in Michigan and Pennsylvania. Um, nearly every other pollster was predicting Clinton's wins. So in the previous president, so I'm reading here from Texas that did a did a profile on Trafalgar's. In the previous presidential cycle, a total of 62 surveys were conducted in the state of Pennsylvania, and only three found a lead for President Trump, including Trafalgar. In Michigan, 45 polls were publicly released, and Trump led in just two, one of which was Trafalgar's. Um, And in Wisconsin, 33 polls were taken, none found Trump ahead. Um, And so in all three of those states, Trump won the state, (laughs) despite uh, literally a total of sounds like five or six polls had him in the lead in all across all those three states. In North Carolina, the margin average looked to be dead even heading into the election, but President Trump won by a 3.6 points, which was surprisingly high. Um polling in Arizona missed by 2 points and Florida by 1.2. In all of these, uh, the Republican vote was underestimated. Uh, moving on from that, Trafalgar correctly predicted the 2017 Georgia 6 special election. That was the one with John Ossoff, uh, who's the Democratic candidate. He raised almost $40 million, which was like shocking at the time. Um, And most pollsters had him running one point ahead as of election day. But Trafalgar actually predicted that Karen Handel won the race by 3.8 points. And that's how much she won it by. Another thing Trafalgar got correct. Three major Florida statewide races, 2018 Senate and the gubernatorial. Oh, sorry. When they say three, one of them is the 2016 presidential campaign, which we already talked about. Um, But yeah, he got, he predicted Florida correctly in 2016. Um, The Senate race between Rick Scott and Bill Nelson, he predicted, he predicted that one. Um, And the governor race, which, where most of the polls had Ron DeSantis losing the Republican by almost five percentage points. He actually squeaked one by and won by half a percentage point in Florida, beating Andrew Gillum. Wisconsin, uh, Trafalgar in the Wisconsin govern, governor's race a few years ago, Trafalgar was one of only two pollsters in the field within six days of the election to call a Scott victory. And um, and he was the only pollster in fifteen within fifteen others that correctly predicted the DeSantis victory. I, I don't necessarily find all this particularly persuasive. The purpose of of going over this is I'm skeptical of these sort of humongous leads that Biden has. Just in you know, just going back to 2016, a lot of the leads that Clinton had, I, you would have been right and correct to be skeptical of those leads. And again, I'm not saying, and and, you know, I I said it as a joke before we started, Gus is saying Biden's definitely going to win. And I'm saying Trump's definitely going to win. I think we're both much closer. I think you maybe are not feeling as pessimistic about the polls as I am this year. I am feeling very pessimistic and more and more so that they're not capturing the... Shy Trump voter, maybe another way of saying it, just the civically unengaged voter, the people who are not responding to these polls, but and who wouldn't ordinarily vote, but who like Trump, they like what he's doing, they like what he's saying, they like what he's bringing to the table, <laughs> uh, and they're going to show up on election day and vote for him.
0: Well, there's a couple of things about that and um, Sam I'll, I'll let you weigh in in a little bit but uh, regarding the the Trafalgar group, um, one thing I do want to say is that they are included in these averages uh, that that I just mentioned. 538 does include them uh, as a pollster. Um, a couple of interesting things <laughs> regarding that partic- particular polling form is that they they did do recent polling in the three key states which is Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania and they actually found Biden up by two in both Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. They did find Trump up by one in Michigan, um, within the margin of error. But even those, even that particular polling firm isn't it it, you know, it's it's still showing somewhat favorable. Even that particular firm isn't isn't particularly showing like this this decisive Trump victory or even even a 2016 like result. Um, I mean the Michigan result is probably the better result that, that Trump has in basically all the polls. Maybe there's something to it. But what I want to say about the polls in regards to 2016 that I think we need to pay attention to, because we, we always talk about margins and and we say, oh, Hillary was up by eight points too, or oh, she was up by six points on this state and, and this other state and whatnot. But it's also important to look at voter share. Because if there's something that the polls in 2016 actually did get right was hillary clinton's voter share if you look at the polls in um in wisconsin in pennsylvania and in michigan they all had hillary winning about 47 percent of the vote uh, give or take a couple of percentage points and that's what she got what what the polls were not able to capture was those undecided voters that uh broke to trump uh Many of them on election day because certain things were happening right before election day that might have caused uh, uh, people to just end up voting for for Trump. So I wanted to go over because I found something interesting when I was looking at these polls. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, in 2016, the polls act- accurately uh, showed that Hillary Clinton had about 47 percent of the vote. In 2020, um, in Michigan, Joe Biden is currently polling at 50.6 percent. Donald Trump actually won that state with 47.3% of the vote. Uh, In Pennsylvania, um, Joe Biden is polling at 50.8%. Donald Trump won that state with 48.2% of the vote. Uh, In um, Wisconsin, uh, Donald Trump is polling at 50.9%, so basically 51%. Donald Trump won that state with 47.2% of the vote. Um, so, and these are these are the three key states, right? If 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 Joe mm-hmm. Biden wins all the Hillary states, uh, the Clinton states in 2016, and wins these three states, uh, it's it's over, it's the ball game. Um, and what this is telling me is that uh, in 2016, there was a huge swath of undecided voters uh, that overwhelmingly broke for Donald Trump, uh, at least in these three states, and even in some other ones, but at least in these three key states. We're not showing that right now. We're showing that a lot of people have made up their minds. And unless they change their minds, they actually decide not to vote for Joe Biden as, as they're saying they would and vote for Donald Trump. That's There's not enough undecided voters there to, to help Trump win the election. So that's one of the reasons why I am particularly optimistic. Am I saying there's not a chance? Uh, that uh, Donald Trump is going to uh, going to win? No, uh, i You know, there is a possibility. Like, there's still two and a half weeks away, and I I do have that memory of 2016 and of the Comey letter. I, I believe it came out like on the 27th of October or the 29th of October. I forget the exact date, but it was it was, <laughs> it was late. very yeah, it was late, and it had a significant impact. So maybe there's something, right? Maybe we, uh, we're going to talk about the New York Post. I don't think uh, the New York Post article. I don't think that's it, but there may be something, but Several things need to happen um, for for Donald Trump to win. Um, The polls have to be, and this is an or situation, Uh, either the polls are catastrophically wrong, like wrong in the way that would make 2016 blush. They have to be overwhelmingly uh, off. Uh, Or... People are going to change their minds. The polls are going to tighten between now and an election day to the point that maybe those states, the you know Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, maybe it's Joe Biden winning by three points. And in that sense, you know, a, a fairly normal polling error could create a scenario where where Trump wins or Trump steals the election. Yeah, that too yeah he he has tools at his disposal we've talked about those tools in this podcast before i'm not Mm going to minimize them now uh more than uh, especially now at uh more than ever like it could still happen you know he's going to have a court that's going to favor him a supreme court i should say that's going to favor him we don't know if this is going to be litigated or not maybe maybe trump won't um won't get the the plurality in these states, but maybe it'll be close enough where it could be litigated and and certain things can happen.
1: Yeah, but, not to mention all the other, not not even just the litigation, but all the other gerrymandering and voter suppression that's been going on that we've talked about numerous times. All of that, nobody knows exactly what kind of effect that is, ha, that it's gonna happen. You know, the seven hour lines in the minority neighborhoods where in the non-minority neighborhoods you can walk in and vote in 20 minutes. All of that is gonna have an effect. So. The polls tend to obscure a lot of that. Uh, there's two points. There's two quick points I wanted to make. One, I'm not sure the Traf- the Trafalgar poll. So the article I'm reading. These might be older numbers. None of them. I should know. None of them have Trump like blowing away anyone. And you tell me if these disagree with your numbers. Uh, Trafalgar has Florida Trump up by two, Pennsylvania Biden up by two, Wisconsin Biden up by three, North Carolina Trump up by two, Michigan Trump up by one, Ohio Trump up by four, and Arizona Trump up by four. So it's not, it's not crazy. They're not these crazy margins. Based on those numbers, Trump would win uh, if those held on election day. Uh, he would get mid 270 and it would be a squeaker, but he would win. The point I want to make overall is that I think I think it will be closer, ultimately. Either the reason I think it will be closer is a little obscure to me, to be honest. The shy, yeah, shy Trump voters, you know, the failure of polar, pollsters to, to truly be able to get some of these very civically disengaged people, um, I think all of that will. And I think some people who definitive definitively have said they're going to vote for Biden will flip and vote for Trump on election day, because I think there is going to be some reversion to the mean. And I think the scandals, which we'll talk about in a minute, will have to do with that. And I think it will, much like the Comey letter click in people's mind. Okay, well, Trump is a scumbag, but also the Democrats are scumbags. So I might as well vote for the Republican scumbag. That's what drove a lot of last. That's what drove a lot of the tightening towards the end, I think. Uh, because in particular it's a place where a lot of Republicans get a lot of conservatives who, who might even end up voting for Biden get their information. Fox news went on the war path. I mean, uh, we don't talk about this much, uh, but ahead of the 2016 election for three weeks, Fox news was basically reporting that Hillary Clinton was about to be arrested <laughs> by the Clinton, for the Clinton foundation. Um, they were like, she's the, cra-. and that is, and that's what they're doing now, uh, with Biden there. They've pulled out all the stops. It's become. I know that it, we talk about it being a propaganda network, but they they understand the stakes of this. Uh, it's become much more of a propaganda network now. So I would not be surprised to see, as they sort of smear Biden as much as they can and let Trump just get away with everything. In the last couple of weeks, I would not, I, I would not be surprised to see some tightening.
2: As far as my opinion or my confidency level of of these polls i think gus does have a point it's these uh these leads that biden is having in some of these states i think it wouldn't be i mean i don't even know what i'm trying to say but i think biden's gonna win
0: yeah how confident do you feel about that
2: now i'm probably gonna drink that and it's all gonna go horribly wrong like (laughs) he usually does maybe i'm just hoping <laughs> I, I can't mm-hmm. tell anymore if i'm hoping or if i think you win is trump
1: running ahead in michigan pennsylvania and wisconsin than where he was in 2016 voter share wise i know you just um, you may have just a- answered that question so i apologize for asking it but
0: it's possible that he is i, I didn't go through
1: crunch through all the numbers because that would scare the shit out of me if he was running ahead of his voter share
2: So what is voter share?
0: It's it's the percentage, right? Like, because you can win, you can win a state with 47% of the vote, depending on third party votes and, and people that just don't vote overall, like that can happen. And it has happened. Um, as I mentioned, like Donald Trump in 2016, won Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan with less than 50% of the vote. Uh, and, and... That's the difference in, in in the polls. it was it, the polls had uh, in 2016 it had Donald Trump with like 43 or 40 per 44 percent of the voter share. Um, so it missed that. it missed it missed that and I, and I don't know exactly why it, it could be because the undecideds just broke at the end and then it wasn't able to capture it because polling lags right And we had a Comey letter that was just a few days before before an election. Um, however, these polls, right now as of today in Pennsylvania Wisconsin and Michigan show Biden up 50%. So if that's true you know that has to be wrong for Joe Biden to lose basically like the, that that has to be utterly wrong or people are going to change their minds between now and the election. Do I think there's a possibility of that happening? Sure, sure I do. Like I I, th- I think it would be dumb to say there's there's a 0% chance. Uh in fact not only would it be dumb it would be inaccurate but uh is it is it improbable? Sure. Like, it, is there a twenty percent chance that it might happen? That's that. That's perfectly reasonable for me, and that and that and that means that it could happen, right? Like, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand when or, or fail to understand, and whether on purpose or or um, because they they actually don't get it. But we're dealing with probability, and this is what the, these models offer, right? They offer uh, uh, probability. So when you look at let, let's say, for example, you look at your phone and, and it says that there's a 30% chance of it raining and it rains. Are you going to be like, oh, fuck you, phone. You, you lied to me. Like, <laughs> fuck you, whether uh, Yahoo weather or, or weather.com. No, it's it, yeah, there was a 30%. You don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a 30% chance and it happened, you know, like it's, it's not out of the ordinary. In 2016, 538 said there was a 30% chance of Donald Trump winning the election and he won. It's not this crazy thing. It's it, in fact, if 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 you think it's like this this improbable thing, then never gamble, never bet. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> like, don't don't go to Vegas ever because you're gonna have to deal with odds that don't that don't favor you. That's how you make money. Um,
2: uh, what you're saying is like if if Trump wins, which oh well, my he's God. saying Trump
1: won't win. He's guaranteeing it.
2: No, I, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying that if Trump <laughs> yeah, he does win. That the next presidential election, or even the next like midterm election, there will, people will still be relying on polls heavily instead of, because if, if Biden or if, uh, if Trump wins like enormously, like a a landslide, then I don't think polls will be as reliable as, I don't think they will be relied on as much anymore because they were wrong in two, two major elections.
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, Yes, but that would be I mean, look, polls are kind of <laughs> they're sort of the best tool we have <laughs> to estimate this kind of thing. So you can say, "Oh yeah, polls are wrong. I'm just going to trust the number of lawn signs I see." or something like that, but I mean, that's not really any more helpful or or a good indicator. Um the polls are going to be wrong. I think what it should do is is cause the pollsters to to really take stock and try to figure out why their polls were so so after 2016 there was a lot of hemming and hawing about why the polls were wrong a lot of it had to do with the fact that they did not predict turnout in the way that had previously occurred that i think that could still happen in in 2020 so i think that you know pollsters will just have to take stock and try to figure out how to more accurate accurately predict you know maybe they'll go they'll go back to this Trafalgar firm and, and decide to stick with it um, or its its methods, but um, I, I don't think that I'm not of the opinion that if the polls are way off, polling is discredited. <laughs> that that's not my view. I I think that to to say that you kind of have a wrong interpretation of what polls are now. I guess,
2: but aren't you um, not trusting the polls right now?
1: I, I mean to a certain extent yeah i mean I, i'm expressing a little bit of skepticism but i mean I, there are reasons for it i'm not just saying well the polls are all wrong and i'm gonna go with some other method of figuring it out like the number of retweets i get <laughs> when i when i tweet Trump's. no but it
2: just sounded like you're saying i
1: i guess there's a, there's a difference between a healthy amount of it's like weather weather is a good analogy i'm if the weather is, if the weather forecasts are really wrong for a month, I think we need to get in there and figure out how to make the forecast better. I don't think we just say, "Well, weather forecasts are pointless now." I'm just going to use chicken bones to predict the weather or something. Okay.
0: Yeah, and I think like one thing I want to say is that even even if it's two straight presidential races in the long. term term, it's still not particularly a large sample size, because it's it's two elections. And, and uh, you know, we have lots of elections. And we had the midterm elections in 2018, that the polls were actually fairly accurate. So you could even say now, that it's not like there's a losing streak for the polls, they were they were better in 2018. Um, at least when you look at all the races, and not just a couple of them. I honestly think there's like a human element to this, um, to 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 the way we feel and, and where our pessimism comes from. The way I see it, and I'm gonna throw another analogy here or another metaphor, it's like, and I hate to use sports terms or football terms because an election and a football game are not the same thing, but the way I see it, it's it's let's say your favorite football team was in the Super Bowl, right? And there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter and they're up by 21 points. Uh, And all they have to do is play some decent defense and it's over and run down the clock and it's over and they blow it. They make stupid mistakes. They make dumb turnovers. um, The, uh, the offense uh, uh, collapses. The defense shuts down. um, Their son's laptop
1: goes to the New York post.
0: (laughs) They just blow it. And, and the, and even then the other team just like, has miraculous, uh, plays and they get a last minute field goal, like a 50, 50 yard field goal. And they win and they win by three points barely. And then in the next super bowl, your team is back in the super bowl and it's five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they're up by 21 points. And every single fan of that team is going to be like, uh Oh, like, Oh no, like this is, this is, this is that super bowl all over again. This is 2016 all over again. You you know, you would feel that way. Um, but if you just look at the logic and and like just just the numbers, you would want your football team to be up twenty one points, right? Like uh, or more, but but twenty one points is a good lead. You wouldn't want them to be up fourteen or seven or God forbid down three points down. or seven points. Yeah, like you would want them to be twenty one points, even if it's going to like strike that paranoia in you. Probability wise, it's still. Vastly better for them to be up by that. And they're still likely to win that Super Bowl. They might blow it again. It it, it can happen. Ask the Atlanta Falcons. I'm sorry. I I used a sports joke there. Like, it, it can happen, but chances are it won't. And that's where we stand right now, right? Like, probably Joe Biden probably is going to win the election. Will he? For sure? No. Donald Trump may still win. But if we just look at the numbers, certain... Things need to happen for Donald Trump to to win, and they have to be significant things, all things being equal. That's my point, logically speaking. That's where we stand. If we just view it just by the numbers, by the data that we have, that's it. It's just just probability.
2: So you're saying we should raise our hopes even higher?
1: I think he's trying to say that Biden's going to win for sure. (laughs) And that... (laughs) We should hold him personally responsible
0: if he does. <laughs> and honestly, and like we make that joke, but it is like I, I walked into this debate knowing it was kind of a trap, knowing that I'm just going to look like the idiot that that's promising Joe Biden, uh, uh that's promising a Joe Biden victory, and that the our episode after the election is just going to be you two laughing at me for for making such a such a, such a statement. Trump
1: wins, we're going to be crying. Not,
0: not we're not going to no, be like, ah. laughing because it it's all you have left. It's, it's, it's just
1: just dunk on on guts and and. I know, right? And if Biden wins, then no one's gonna give a shit if I predicted it wrong because we're just yeah, gonna be celebrating. Like,
0: oh, I'm so glad I was wrong. Ah, well, moving on.
2: <laughs> well, I said I I thought Biden would win, also. So yeah,
0: that's think. true. And you're on record. I'm 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 actually walking on eggshells right now, trying to to make my point. But you're on record. Biden's gonna win.
2: So if anything, you guys will make fun of me.
1: We'll never yeah. make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about what the all the scandals that are going to turn the tide of the election in the next 20 days
0: yeah let's talk about that because you even alluded to it that these we're talking about the new york post story that came out sometime this week i don't remember the day um i I disagree with Daniel that what he mentioned earlier that this is going to particularly be a significant thing but let's hash it out. Daniel, you've been obsessing over this story and don't say you haven't I know you have. So you're going to be my expert on this. What is this New York Post story? What is it alluding to? What's going on? <laughs> so
1: this is it's got to be the funniest sourcing of any story ever. Um because the uh, okay, let's start let's take it back. The story that came out is that um, apparently Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, took three laptops to a repair shop, as you do, to get them repaired. Um, you know, typical thing, take three separate laptops that are broken to a repair shop, leave them there, and then just forget about them uh, mm-hmm. for months and months and months and months. Who doesn't? Luckily, the owner of the lap- the laptop store happened to be good friends with Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> mm-hmm. <Chucks laughs> and up. provided these laptops to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. Uh, just normal stuff, normal laptop repair things. Uh, it is interesting that they they did this through a Delaware store, even though they noted that during the period they describe, Hunter would have been living in California. So, you know, a, a couple of problems with the sourcing of this story. There are other problems with the story. Um, one. They they repeat over and over again in this story that Biden pushed for the ouster of a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating Burisma, a a Ukrainian company that uh, his son was an employee of. This is flatly incorrect. Um, Biden tends to overestimate his importance when he talks about this story. He was a representative of the Western. View at that point that this prosecutor was corrupt and was actually not investigating uh, his son's gas company enough. The entire Western world, including Republicans at the time, including Republicans, wanted this fu- prosecutor fired. um Ron Johnson, and and you know what? What makes me even sure that there's nothing here in terms of like quid pro quo or anything like that is Ron Johnson just finished an entire. Months and months long investigation on this, uh, which he found absolutely nothing other than the fact that Hunter worked for Burisma caused a lot of awkwardness for the Obama administration's foreign policy, which is true. So again, the story repeated over and over again, the uh, the falsehood that Biden pushed for the ouster of this prosecutor because he was investigating Burisma and treated it like it was a straight news item. So this story was very poorly written and contained very clear falsehoods it was also written by a former um hannity intern <laughs> and these were this was her That's only yeah, yeah this was her only uh these were her only articles for the new york post uh is these about biden and ukraine the new york post is a tabloid i would not put i wouldn't say the reliability of the new york post is well below uh, BuzzFeed, CNN, things like that. They do print falsehoods. They're they're a Murdoch uh, Murdoch brand, uh, which means they're very conservative. Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with the story, basically. But the, the story is, the, the main thrust of this story is that Hunter Biden sent an email to one of the guys at Burisma and said, or Burisma, the guy, one of the guys at Burisma sent an email to Hunter Biden and said, thank you for the opportunity to meet with your father. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of in broken English, so it's not entirely clear what the email means, um, individuals. So nobody has had access to the underlying emails, which makes this even shadier. Rudy Giuliani has been literally running around with members of Russian intelligence, as in the Trump government has sanctioned these members of Russian intelligence. So it's, it's pretty clear from the outset that this is likely a hack, uh, a Russian hack. Uh, Rudy got it. The New York Post published it. They did not push back on his insane story about how a Delaware computer repair person is his good friend who gave it to him. Oh, one other thing about the emails is nobody's seen the underlying emails. All they've seen is these PDFs. So it's possible that the emails themselves are completely fabricated. There are real pictures of Hunter Biden that were discovered on the laptop. So it's likely that there's some reality to this. But but uh, something that happened afterwards and i think this was a, a big over overstep by the social media companies is they actually blocked sharing of this story uh because uh they you know and they they were kind of vague about why they blocked it they said it violated their hack policy because the source was was hacks truthfully i think they probably had on the back end a lot of information suggesting that this was the result of of a russian disinformation campaign Um, You know, having Rudy Giuliani, who, again, is being is is literally been running around for the last year and a half with members of Russian intelligence trying to dig dirt on Joe Biden, uh, probably also raised a flag for them. There were numerous things that that raised a flag for them, including the fact that there was a quid pro quo with the firing of this prosecutor is just flat out false, according to fact checkers, including their social media fact checkers. So they put a they put a kibosh on this story, I think, in trying to maybe stem the flow of misinformation. Um and of course what you got were cries of censorship from the right.
0: Well, no, they they shouldn't have uh, um, um put a stop to that story. Like it's it's fine. I think they that I think that was an overstep that as you mentioned is just going to garner more attention. Um but I'm in terms of uh how this story is hitting. I actually want to throw it to Sam real quick because Sam, uh we're on video right now and I just saw you give what was my reaction, which is one big yawn uh to this story. So, you just heard what uh, what uh, Daniel said here. So, what do you feel about this story? Is it is it resonating to you? Is it alarming you in any way?
2: Not as much as it was as back in 2016. I, even then, I mean, look, this is you're either you're either gonna vote for Trump, who is a terrible person, he's terrible, or you're gonna vote for Joe Biden. In twenty sixteen, I tried very hard, which I failed miserably at, tried to convince people to vote for Clinton because they said, Oh no, they're just the same the side what is it, the two sides of the same coin or something? Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, they're not. And people are still saying it now with Biden and, and Trump.
0: Scandals to me, for them to be effective, you have to tell a story, right? Like you, this is, you have to build it up. It, it's storytelling. And the thing about 2016 and the thing about the Comey letter and the, the email issue with, with Hillary Clinton is that that story was being built up over time the republicans focused on that story probably two years before the election and then they just kept hitting her uh on it and it doctor it doctored throughout the entire 2016 campaign uh it doctor uh doctor all the way um going into the election and then just when you feel like it was in the rearview mirror like after the convention and after the debates that hillary clinton uh according to the polls won won convincingly um it came back and it came back at the very end uh with a comey letter uh it was it was masterful, masterful storytelling uh it came from the anthony weiner sex scandal and then the sexting situation anthony weiner the disgraced liberal like like that that is just that is just amazing storytelling and it resonates with people and the fact that it happened at the very end of of the election cycle was just devastating uh for hillary clinton but it was because it was built up uh, over time, and the issue with this story in comparison is that the Hunter Biden situation hasn't been resonating with anybody. Like it, it's it's barely been an issue. um It's barely come up in the campaign trail. It was not even an issue in the primaries at all. Even the email issue was an issue in the primaries, even though it was Bernie Sanders saying like let's shut up about the emails. He was still bringing it up, right? Like it was it was an issue throughout. And this this is not an issue. And now to just try to like come up with some big thing at the end is not good storytelling you know you you don't feel it there's there there was nothing that was building up to it this is this is emperor palpatine coming back in in rise of skywalker it's a dud nobody cares (laughs) like you because you didn't build it up you need to be you need to be able to to be effective with these kinds of scandals and right now the republican party isn't telling a cohesive story They're doing what we said last episode. They're throwing things at a wall, and they're hoping that it sticks, and I don't think it's sticking. Again, I have a biased perspective, but I even – you know the the email thing, when the Comey letter um, came out, forget about Fox News. You went to NewYorkTimes.com, or you got that New York Times uh, uh, newspaper, and it was all – like the entire front page was just the emails. Go to New York Times right now and see what you can find about that story. You're going to have a difficult time.
1: (laughs) So – First, you're very correct. They're throwing shit at the wall. All of their shit's falling apart. The Durham probe fell apart. The unmasking probe fell apart. Republicans pushed it as the biggest scandal since Watergate completely fell apart. The bipartisan Senate Ukrainian investigation fell apart. Donald Trump tweeted a story this week that Joe Biden and Obama uh, actually sent SEAL Team six after a Osama body double. <laughs> And then had SEAL Team 6 killed in order to cover it up. Uh, the, one of the members of SEAL Team 6 is a big Trump supporter. So he was like, dude, what? What?" <laughs> he was like, what? Oh what? what? Anyway, um, the point is, I agree. And I agree that none of this shit seems to be sticking to Biden. I guess I'm not 100% sure why. Because the email shit stuck to Clinton. Even though that was such a dull ass story. Whereas yeah. this is, this is about... Biden's sexy son running around the Ukraine smoking crack fucking prostitutes and getting billion dollars and getting $50,000 a month from a corrupt gas company to do nothing. Um, That sounds way sexier to me. So I don't understand why it's not sticking to him. I think it still has time to make headway, especially if there's more to this. Uh, You know, they found more on this laptop. Uh, you, You contended quite persuasively that if there was more, they would have put it out now and not since thousands and hundreds and thousands of people are already voting convinces me the most strongly that there that this is a bunch of bullshit and likely fake and likely russian propaganda you know mixed in with some of the real stuff they found on the laptop or hacked is that if they thought it was legitimate they would have given it to ron johnson they would have made a bigger deal out of this they wouldn't have sort of leaked it out via tabloid (laughs) just sort of and i do want to make the point that, I mean, some of this could just be sexism. It's crazy to me that email stuck to Clinton, but Mm -hmm. Biden's son taking money from a corrupt Ukrainian gas company didn't stick to Biden in the same way. I don't think any of either of those things should necessarily disqualify someone from being president. But the email thing in particular, I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Whereas the Biden thing, at least, at least that sounds like something that's real.
2: If I remember correctly, there weren't any specific questions in the actual debate about this, right?
1: No, no. there were not. And, and there were the
2: questions home. in the 2016 debates about um, the emails.
0: There yes. were mm-hmm. plenty.
2: So I think that is a big problem right there as to why it's not sticking to the wall. Yeah. If if they had to actually is, confront Biden about it on a national stage like that, and he, I think that would have gotten him more tra- more traction than it than it had than it. Done.
1: Oh no, but it did come up at the debates. Trump brought it up. Yeah, uh, Trump said your son's getting on the.
2: Debate?
1: I think so. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. oh, I don't remember. B- that.
1: Biden did what I think is probably the smartest move, is he didn't try to parse out what's true and what's false. He just said, it's complete bullshit. It's a lie. Don't listen to this idiot, which I think is the best. Honestly, even if that's not entirely truthful, um, sitting there and being like, you know, in 2016, we are like, well, there were a few classified emails, but they weren't properly marked. And yeah, I could come up with all these reasons why the email thing was bullshit, but people still intuitively took out from it oh it's it's a thing so i think biden's reaction just to call the whole thing bullshit and not to sort of engage in the details of it yeah
2: that's what i think is like not that's why it's not sticking to him
1: yeah and plus he can and you know maybe it was a huge mistake for the republicans to put out their goddamn report saying nothing happened (laughs) Uh, a huge strategic mistake before the election um but you know now he can say hey the frigging Republicans investigated this and found nothing. Now we're going to go with Rudy Giuliani and the New York Post. Okay. Uh,
2: I mean, who better to trust? Yeah. Hey.
0: This is. I try my best not to be in this bubble. Maybe it is resonating with with a certain amount of voters to to make a difference. But I've so far haven't seen much much evidence uh, on that. And I I I do agree with you daniel in terms of sexism being involved because i think both of both this issue and the email issue um were bullshit i mean not None of these issues are disqualifying for, for any kind of presidential candidate. And we do want to wonder why the media focused so much on one thing and isn't particularly that interested in this specific thing. I'm glad that they're not interested in that specific thing, but I wonder why they didn't display this kind of discipline uh, back in 2016 and caused um, so much so much damage for, for the Clinton com- campaign.
1: You know, maybe you can say that the media learned its lesson by not sort of Uh, amplifying stories that at their core, while facts about them may be true, at their core, they contain an implication that is clearly false, Uh, just like this New York Post story had some true stuff in it, but the clear implication that there was some kind of quid pro quo was false. Uh, Ron Johnson said it was false. So, um, and I think that might be the difference. But I think, you know, regarding Twitter and Facebook's sort of heavy-handed moderation, I guess you might say, what are they supposed to do? Because Republicans are just going to push the envelope. They know they can put this shit in the New York Post. Uh, they know they can put this shit in a, an entire slew of conservative outlets that don't care about the truth. they right. you know, underlying truth to yeah. them. That, and the problem is we live in a world where everything is sort of an edge case. So I, I even said it. I said the New York Post is less credible than BuzzFeed or CNN. Um, but –
2: Which is crazy to say it's less credible than BuzzFeed. Well,
1: I would not call BuzzFeed like super non-credible or anything, especially their actual investigative work. It's actually quite good often. But I still, you know, when BuzzFeed breaks something and, you know, New York Times doesn't also break it, I I have a little skepticism about it. Same with CNN. If CNN breaks something and it's big enough where I think the other networks would confirm it and nobody is confirming it, I might be a little skeptical about it. That's what I mean. I would not put New York Post even on this ranking, truthfully. Yeah. I would not put a lot of conservative stuff on this ranking, especially the New York Post opinion pages, which has been known to basically just flat out lie um, about things. So I I just, just flat out make things up. Um, the problem is, uh, you know, either you can't just say, well, I mean, Facebook or Twitter can't just say, well, none of the conservative news outlets are any good. <laughs> Because even though that might be kind of the truth in a lot of ways. So uh, the question, and we're not going to be able to answer this, but how exactly are are Facebook and Twitter supposed to stem the tide of misinformation Um, if, you know, whenever they actually do something and they put in this, which was like a circuit breaker to stop Russian misinformation from making its way through the system, they're immediately bashed. And even even us say, well, no, they, they overstepped, they overplayed their hand. I, it's it's confusing because yeah I, I, I kind of feel for them because how are they supposed to deal with this shit it, it, and it's it's uh because you know there's the the infowar stuff that's just straightforwardly factually incorrect and then there's this New York Post stuff which is a little more ambiguous um, uh, which contru- contains stuff that suggests the story is unreliable contains false things but as a whole is not necessarily unreliable I d- I don't know. And I, you know, well, I mean, I actually
2: the- agreed with Facebook. I thought, I mean, if they're not so, if they, if misinformation is so rampant, how you're right, uh, Daniel, if they, they have to do something about it. And I think they did the right thing.
1: For, from their perspective, I mean, Senator Hawley and Senator Cruz were, were literally, I'm going to read this Cruz, Twitter is actively blocking right now stories from the New York Post on Tuesday he threatened to subpoena the ceo of twitter it sounds ridiculous but the but they have actually actively talked about repealing section uh 230 of the of the fcc act which uh immunizes uh facebook twitter companies like that from liability for things that other people post on their uh website which i actually think is kind of funny because if they if they took that immunity away, Twitter would be less likely to let you post bullshit from the New York Post, because that means yeah. if they post something false, they could get sued. So it is kind of weird that they're threatening that, but they are threatening it. I mean, they're doing it. They know what they're doing. They're doing it in a way where they're threatening their liability to try to get them to
2: change their behavior and make it They're more just trying to get more attention for the issue. That's what they're trying to do.
1: Well, no, I think, well, yes, that, but also I think they're trying to bully Twitter and Facebook to... To making their networks more susceptible to conservative misinformation, they would not call it that. They would say, "Well, no, we, you know, we want them to be fair to conservatives." But what they're really doing is 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 making, uh, wanting to make Twitter and Facebook more. Because when Twitter and Facebook put in their fact checking systems, you know what happened? All the conservative links started to get deleted and flagged and 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 stunted because they were filled with misinformation. Um, and conservatives started screaming and complaining that they were being biased against uh, because they were being biased against in a sense because their articles were all filled with misinformation. So I get I, I don't know. and and, you know, the the other layer to this is the the absolutist free speech, which Holly and Cruz, I'm sure, think that they are in. The absolutist free speech position is Twitter can say can decide whatever they want people to say on their network. You know, they're allowed to ban whoever they want. Um yeah
0: and to be honest like i'm I'm um hesitant to to dwell deeper into this topic because i I actually generally think that this is a big topic that uh warrants um it's it's uh, comprehensive discussion, so to speak and it's mm. it's certainly something we should we should Revisit um, in the future. We're probably not going to have enough time to as you mentioned Daniel to answer these questions because it's hard uh, The fact of the matter is social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook do have a massive responsibility on how they handle information um, in a responsible way um, and A lot the, and they've proven that they they don't have a grasp on it yet I don't know what all the answers are What uh, I do know is that we're probably not gonna have time to to answer them all today Uh However, I do want to make the point that if the conversation is heading towards uh, what what do social media platforms do with this kind of information and we're not actually talking about the story itself, it's kind of telling uh, telling us how significant this story is and how impactful it is for those watching it because now we're on a different subject um, altogether. and that's what the Republicans did. They moved on to this <laughs> subject real quick so um again uh, that's a that's a point in it in it of itself but let's move on because we we have a limited amount of time here do we really want to get that into the uh- do we really want to get into the dueling town halls between Biden and Trump that much? Um just to give some context to our listeners if they weren't um if they weren't aware of this, both Biden and uh Trump had their own ta- town halls. The second debate was canceled because um I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the president of the United States caught COVID-19. Um and what <laughs> Out of no uh, <laughs> uh, out of a sense of uh, uh, responsible caution, the uh, the debate commission decided to hold a virtual debate, which Donald Trump did not want to participate in. Therefore, the debate was canceled, and instead, the two candidates held their own town halls in two different networks. Um, Biden was on ABC, and Trump was on NBC and MSNBC and CNBC, and they had a town hall, and it was it was a very uh, stark contrast between Biden's um, long-winded, detailed answers, sometimes a little too long-winded, and Donald Trump um, failing to uh, renounce uh, uh, a QAnon conspiracy about uh, pedophilia and a satanic cult. <laughs> uh,
1: he was like, QAnon is against pedophiles, and I like that. I thought the, the I mean, they were fine. I mean, Biden's hall was kind of boring and uneventful trump did his thing and you know he's gonna get the people who like him and not get the people who don't like him i will point out that the the biden sorry the trump town hall was uh shorter which i was interested in because Biden, uh trump is constantly bragging about how he's more uh stronger than biden better than biden uh has but he only did an hour long town hall and i actually wondered about that i actually wonder if he's still you know i mean he he's said he is tested negative for covid uh but i actually wonder if he's still uh feeling some of the effects of that he is an older man and uh, the average covid recovery time for older people is much longer than than younger people, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's still feeling kind of, and he's still apparently traveling with a couple of doctors. So I don't know, I'm a little skeptical that guys Trump may be lying about about how how Maybe. much over COVID.
0: Maybe yeah. he may also be. COVID um, it has long standing effects on on many people, including younger people as well as well as uh, uh, older individuals. So mm-hmm. uh, he he could still have lung issues. He could. I'm, I'm not a doctor, you know, so don't don't take my words as facts, but he could be having um, issues that affect his famous stamina uh, of 2016, and that's why he's holding shorter rallies and shorter town halls. Um, Sam, uh, I know you didn't watch the full town hall of either Trump or, or uh, Biden, but anything that stuck out to you regarding these town halls, do you think it matters? I, I feel like these were incredibly inconsequential, in my opinion.
2: I thought the, the first debate was very important i thought the second debate was more for the supporters of the candidates
0: well again let's let's clarify because it wasn't a debate it's two separate
2: yeah i I apologize no worries it seems to be more for the actual supporters
0: well i mean i do want to say that um in regards to the trump town hall um savannah guthrie is that the uh, yeah. the moderator's name? Um, I think mm-hmm. she did a really really good job. I mean, she did uh, press uh, d- uh, Trump on on some of the issues. I know that there's a lot of Republicans that are are and and I and I knew that things didn't go well for Trump when I saw this, but a lot of Republicans came out saying that she was too harsh. She was debating essentially debating Donald Trump, which is what they always say when a matter a moderator does just simple fact checking. The questions weren't hard. One of the questions was really, literally, like, "Do you denounce this crazy conspiracy theory?" Uh, and Donald Trump couldn't, and so she pressed it. She pressed him
1: on that. Um, that's yeah, not a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: um, when you but,
1: point out the fact, uh, I noticed one time, you know, some, uh, one of the people asked a question about DACA, and Trump just flat out lied. He was like, "I'm going to take care of all the people and everything like that." And then Savannah Guthrie, and this is like in a debate, we would just move on. <laughs> they would just be like, oh, okay. Trump's good on DACA, great. Savannah Guthrie was like, you literally shut that program down. <laughs> and then he lied again and he said, and she didn't call him on this one. He said, well, that was because of the pandemic, which is a lie. He, he shut the program down before the pandemic. Uh, she did not actually call him on that one. But um, again, people are like, oh, well, that's bias. Literally, he just sat there and flat out lied for 45 seconds about what his position was. I don't think it's unreasonable for the moderator to call him on that shit.
0: Yeah. Um, and what I was going to say is in regards to the moderator, because Savannah Guthrie, I think did a decent job uh, in this town hall. Uh, I also watched, I think it's, and I'm going to in a bit of a tangent here, but i watched the uh, part of the Iowa debate where, um, Joni Ernst, uh, I believe her name is. Joni Ernst of of, uh, Iowa was asked the price of of soybeans, I believe was the question, which I guess is a very important thing in Iowa. And she couldn't answer it. And the moderator did this amazing thing of uh, following up and asking her to answer the question. So I'm hoping that if we can do that uh, regarding the price of soybeans, maybe next time we can do it when we ask uh, the president if he's willing to do a peaceful transition of power. Just a thought anyways let's let's go ahead and move on we are running out of time so let's very shortly talk just talk about uh the uh Amy Coney Barrett uh hearings uh that are going on these uh during this week uh I didn't watch a whole lot of them I think this is a done deal I think she I believe they set the vote for the 22nd of October uh, I could be wrong about that but I believe that's a date. It's sometime next week um, she's going to be confirmed
1: I think I, so I watched some of them I was gonna go back and watch all of them but it was just- just too much. It was four days of of, uh, testimony. Um, It does seem like a foregone conclusion that she is going to be nominated. I thought Democrats did, a, I thought, a very commendable job of highlighting um, the fact that she has said repeatedly, uh, said twice, that she would have struck down Obamacare, including uh, the protection against pre-existing conditions. Uh, Which means when the case is again in front of her in a couple of weeks, uh, it is likely she will be uh, doing that and, uh, you know, taking away health insurance from millions and millions of people during a pandemic. Um, I thought they did a good job highlighting that. And Republicans did a very poor job pushing back. Their basic argument was like. Oh, you're not allowed to talk about what's actually going to happen. All we're allowed to talk about is her resume and how she is on the PTA and how she has all these kids and how she's cool and how everybody likes her, um, which I did not think was a very... I mean, if you tell the average American that this judge is going to take their health insurance away, I don't think they give a shit if she's on the PTA. But that's that's my opinion. Um, Democrats did a good job highlighting how she her opinions uh, were... St- very bad uh, you you know i think one of the opinions we highlight I, in our chat in our group chat was her um opinion that it did not create a hostile work environment for a boss to say to call their employee the n word <laughs> when uh, they were african american uh, which i mean i'm not conservative for basically saying nothing counts as racism except for explicit racism but now it's you know not even explicit racism <laughs> counts as racism it did feel like the whole thing was kind of a lost cause. Um, I think a lot of the buzz I'm hearing from leftists is that Democrats failed because they weren't able to stop this. Um, that is <laughs> preposterous. That, that's could very What they have done
2: though. differently is my They could part. have done shit. They could have yeah, done shit. exactly.
1: The main, people were saying, well, what they should do is impeach all of Trump's cabinet and send all the votes, and that takes priority in the Senate and then the Senate has to deal with all of those. That's not, that is inaccurate. First of all, even if that were true, Mitch McConnell can just change the rules. He controls the Senate. <laughs> he could change the rules with a simple majority vote and just say, well, no, these don't have priority. Second, he could just dismiss them, summarily dismiss all of the impeachment articles and say, this is clearly for the purposes of tying up uh, the Senate. Um, short of actually physically restraining people, Democrats could not have done anything. So I, I do think it is kind of rich that leftists are like, oh, they're just letting them get through because that's all they want.
2: You know what I would have said to them? I would have said, you know, it it mattered in, in 2016. That's, yeah, that is, that's
1: actually went that's actually what went through my head. Is that, yeah, this this the, this is a foregone conclusion. Um all, but it could have been resolved in 2016. Exactly. It could have been resolved in 2016. Um, that's when we were going to solve this. It's impossible to solve right now. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, leftists, they get this impression that, that uh, senators just by virtue of being in the Senate have all this un sort of unexplored power to do all these things. That is just flatly not true. That's not how legislature works uh the majority has a tremendous amount of power especially when they are able to cohere together uh they can change the rules in an instant um so i don't don't think the sort of criticism now now separate from that is uh diane feinstein's uh who's the head of the judiciary committee some of her behavior was i think not great um i think she was very complimentary of, of Lindsey Graham in a lot of ways that he did not deserve uh, for pushing this candidate through. And then at the end, she gave him a giant maskless hug. Uh, Lindsey Graham, the guy who refused to take a COVID test because he thought he would test positive and ended up having his last senatorial debate canceled uh, because he definitely, for some reason, didn't want to take the free COVID test with instant results that he could take. Uh, she gave him a maskless hug. Um, and I think it it definitely fed into this leftist narrative of oh the Democrats are doing it again they're just rubber stamping, both parties are the same they're just rubber stamping this they they want the six to three court, uh,
0: yeah. And again, to end it on that note, uh, I think the point here is that elections have consequences and your vote counts even if it's towards uh, a candidate that may have not been your first choice uh, during the primary it can still have a massive impact uh, it could have had that massive impact in 2016 luckily it can still have a massive impact now um you know the the thing about uh once once an election passes and and uh the Republican party wins is that there's very little you can do. There's very little uh, a minority party uh, in the Senate uh, can do right now. When it comes to the confirmation of a Supreme court justice, Uh, there's very little, even the best doctors in the world can do uh, when we're dealing with an 87 year old woman uh, with uh, cancer tumors all over her body. And once she dies, there's not a whole lot of options left. So do what you can now go out and vote. Uh, We talk about polls here all the time, but ultimately what matters the the most is the actual what the only thing that matters, not even matters the most, is the actual result come election day or the days after. So let's go ahead and just end it on the message that please go out and vote. Do it safely. I would recommend doing it early, but do it because your vote counts. And hopefully come November, we're going to have better news to talk about. But that's our show, folks. Uh, Daniel, I want to thank you for joining me today.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Gus.
0: And Sam, thank you so much for joining me.
2: Of course, thank you.
0: And to our lovely listeners, again, go vote. Vote them out. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Friendly Reminder.